episode of the Pro Shot Steelheads off-season series. It's a tough time for all of us, but I figured why not talk about some hockey while we're at it. With me today, I'm friend and fellow podcaster Darius Dominguez. An honor to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me on, Tyler. Um, I've always wanted to be on your podcast. Uh, you do a great job. I think you guys do a great job covering uh, not only the Steelheads, but the OHL. And I'm ready to get back to talking about some hockey because of, uh, obviously, the current events. So uh, excited to get into it. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that. It's uh, It's been a long time. Finally, we're able to make it happen. So I'm very happy about that. Um, now, thing that's been happening in the last couple of months, I'd say, uh, the OHL season obviously had to be cut short. And it's very unfortunate. But, but uh, I think the Steelheads did really, really well this season. And their goal scorer just as a team overall. That being said, so we're going to start off with a recap of their record and then go into some highlight points, uh, highlight some strengths and weaknesses from the team. And then we're going to go into who we think was a team MVP. <coughs> we'll go back to that part. So, and then at the end, we're going to discuss who was our season MVP. So why don't we start off with the team's record this season and what they finished off. Yeah, so uh, they only played uh, 61 games this year, obviously, because of uh, what happened. We're not going to get into that. But uh, they finished with 27 wins, 29 losses, uh, four overtime losses, and one shootout loss um, uh, for 59 points in uh, 61 games. I think this is actually quite impressive considering the way they started. I thought they started the season very poor. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the acquisitions they made weren't exactly coming to fruition. Uh, even cutting one of the defensemen in Hay Hayden Davis that they acquired in the offseason. Um, so I think their start was not good at all, but to finish in basically the middle of the pack with seven games left to go, I, I, I think it was uh, a good turnaround for them, certainly. And I think they had a lot of guys who stepped it up throughout the season um, and, and show that now they can be you know bigger pieces like a James Hardy, for example, going into next season. There was Schwint. Hardy, Harley, Washkarak, Whitaker, and Kennedy all had career years in a season that and was. I think, yeah, I think the most impressive. Pretty uh, abnormal. Yeah, I think the most impressive out of that would probably be James Hardy because we knew he was going to be a scorer, but um, obviously he blew our pants off with 31 goals. Um, and I think. Um, I think guys like Cole Schwint and Keon Washkirk being drafted to the NHL and having gone through an NHL camp, I think you were kind of expecting them to come back and be your top guys. So a guy like James Hardy and even Ula Borgvig home on the back end, you know, putting up some points and even just playing and showing what their potential could be is is really good to see. And it's uh, it's nice to see that they have a good future there. It's James Hardy's draft year this year, right? I want to touch base on him a little bit before we move. But it's Hardy's draft year. How many players in their sophomore OHL season. And how many players do you know that scored 34 goals in their sophomore season? Uh, the number's not high. Um, he reminds me of, I mean, not in uh, the way he plays, but the way he scores and the way he thinks the game. He reminds me a little bit of Owen Tippett, just in terms of guys who've played for Mississauga before, I guess. Um, and, his, and his numbers um, sort of speak to that as well. Um, his uh, his career trajectory is kind of in the same light as that. Um, so I look at him as a guy like that. He's obviously not Owen Tippett. Owen Tippett's a very special hockey player. I'm just saying he kind of reminds me of that. And I think he's a guy that can help a team out down the road, an NHL 
franchise out down the road in terms of scoring. He can be a scorer, a Phil Kessel type. Um, so I, th- I, I think he really proved his worth. I, I think at the beginning of the season and into maybe October, November, teams were not even going to draft this guy. He wasn't. He was going to go undrafted. But I think he's proved his worth to be even a second round pick. And I think he can go in the second round. Obviously, circumstances have changed. We don't even know when the draft is going to be, and you know, teams are not really making trades like they would be around this time or you know, right after the playoffs. But I think he could be a second round to third round pick. No, yeah, I completely agree with you. And it's like you said with the Owen Tippett type thing. He he definitely lets his goal score and do the talking. And I definitely think he could fit into an NHL team. What would his potential be? But we'll talk about that another day. Um, the beginning of the season, they were 3-6 and six in their first nine games, going into that midseason turnaround and then towards the end. But they never showed any signs of pushback or of uh, kickback. No, and I think um, one of the main... A, a nice piece that they got, uh, I guess, halfway through the season or so was uh, acquiring Calvin Martin. I think he's a really fast skater and he really complemented the offense. We saw early on that, um, like last year, for example, the offense was not a problem. So they decided to focus on the defense. And as we saw in the beginning of the season, that defense wasn't necessarily a problem if you gave them the time to grow. But now the problem was creating offense. Um, they have a good offensive structure and system, but it's just getting the job done, the, the actual players in place. Um, and in terms of acquiring Calvin Martin, I think he's a fast player and he really fits into the structure of what the Steelheads were trying to do. And I think in a team like uh, Sarnia as an OA, he was a point of game player and they were second last or last in the league at that point. So I think that was a good acquisition. Uh, and I think their leadership group this year, they really focused on stuff like that. Who are their OAs? Who are their um, players like Nick Canade in, in his second to last season? Uh, and I think they've done a great job in building a leadership group and holding guys accountable there. And along with that accountability, there were a few trades that JR made throughout the season. Um, he didn't make many, but the ones that he did make were effective and they kind of fixed the team in a way. He didn't yeah, make and many think, trades, but he got the necessary pieces that he needed to better the team. Yeah. And like you mentioned, I think that um, he didn't do much. And I think doing nothing come trade deadline time was a good idea. Obviously, we were never going to see what the playoffs would have looked like. Uh, but I think keeping the, the team together, knowing how well they were playing, would have been better than going out and getting whoever and bringing them in, even if they are to help. You never know if it's actually going to help or create a rift in the chemistry of the team. So I think by doing not much, he also set them up to do more next season in a, in a year where I think a lot of these guys are going to be uh, so they're going to have superstars, guys who are really going to come in, contribute, and they're going to be able to add at the trade deadline next season. Let's talk sort of that midseason turnaround where they find, they they really kind of started to find their game and didn't let anything bring them down. They they wanted a hot streak. I think it was like what was it, eight game, an eight game winning streak? I think it was eight uh, eight game winless or sorry, not winless streak, eight games without uh, losing in regulation. I believe it was. I believe it was the game on the 20th. It was a yes, the game against uh, the Barry Colts on the 20th. And they just come off of a loss in Windsor in a shootout. And then they finally just got back to PFF Center and they lit the lamp 182 against Barry. And they were an unstoppable machine right after that. And I remember around that time, Barry actually still had most of their top guns. So I think uh, the Steelheads do a really good job of bouncing back when they. You know, they don't lose horribly often, but when they do, I think they do a great job of bouncing back, especially when they're coming back to home ice. So that midseason turnaround um, was huge. And I think it started with a game like that. It's a confidence builder. It's to show 
hey, if we're going to get pushed around in one game, you know, games like this happen sometimes. We're going to come back the next night and we're going to beat one of the teams we're fighting for a playoff spot with like eight to two. I think they have a really good ability to do stuff like that. The other uh, side of that also is Kai Edmonds. I think he turned it around too. He started the season off good. And I think by like November, December, around Christmas, like you mentioned, he became great. He became one of the best goalies in the OHL, which is why they acquired him. Um, he was up there in numbers uh, with guys like Jacob Ingham and Jacob Ingham, uh, former steelhead with Kitchener, was the reason they turned their season around, why they were looking so good going into the playoffs. Uh, so I think Kai Edmonds was a huge part of that as well. When a, when a goalie goes to a new team, he's not used to you know playing in front of new teammates, playing in front of new fans. It's a whole different game for them. So it took Kai Edmonds a little bit to adjust, but I think he really he found his game towards the the middle of the season. And it's like you said, he was one of the best goaltenders in the OHL this year. That was definitely a case. So yeah, it it's incredibly hard to come into a new team and just start amazing. You're coming into a brand new organization. Uh, you're playing in a new city. You're playing with new teammates, new defensemen who you don't know what their tendencies are, and they don't know what your tendencies are uh, in terms of playing the puck, I guess. Um, and you're playing in a new system with like a new goalie coach. It's it's hard. It's hard to come in and just be yourself right away but i think he did a good job at, at starting off pretty strong and i think as time just went on he got used to it and used to his teammates and i think his teammates had confidence in him and they played off each other like that so i think um that's the reason why he was so successful he found his groove halfway through the season and it was showing like he was playing fantastic through january and uh february leading into march for sure and i'm glad that he finally managed to find his game now i want to say something that i've been asked quite a bit what game of the year was for the Steelheads. And I think that I know what, what I would choose as it, but uh, I think that what, what do you think the game of the year is for them? Um, in terms of game of the year, I, I, I don't know if people are going to, I don't know what other people think, or, you know, some people have their de- own experiences watching from home on OHL live or what, being there. But personally, the most emotionally invested game I, uh, or the most I was invested and in, you could see the fans were invested and, the emotion from the players was against the Kitchener Rangers in the superhero uh, game where uh, Cole Schwint scored a hat trick in the third period and overtime and his overtime winner. To me, that was the best game of the season. What about you? Honestly, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I mean, you knew it from the minute that everybody walked into the arena. You know that Kitchener was on a hot streak. They were looking to chew up the steelheads, get another two points. But as soon as I think... The, what did it for me, what really got me emotionally invested into the game was when they did the ceremony for Reese Meyer at the beginning. And that's how you knew. I think that this Steelheads team knew no matter how hard they fought, even if they were down 4-1, they knew they were going to come back. And that's what gave them strength. It was, and it, it was a little, it was a nice little tribute hanging Reese's jersey behind the bench. So I, th- I think yep. that's kind of what gave them strength there. I, I'm, I'm a superstitious person when it comes to that kind of thing. A, a big thing for what happened, but that was probably one of the craziest games I've ever seen. Kitchener goes up four one, and, and they pull a Boston. Mississauga pulls a Boston. Yeah, and and like you mentioned, the stage was set for that. It was Kitchener coming in on a hot streak. Mississauga trying to prove uh, that they can hang with the the big players in the league. Uh, Jacob Ingham's first return to Mississauga. He wants a win, and his team's rolling. Uh, the ceremony for Reese Meyer, which was so emotional, and the arena was packed with people from Caledon. It was amazing. It was a great atmosphere. Um, so the stage is set that way, and then you go down 4-1 uh, 
against Kitchener and you storm back in the third period and Cole Schwint putting on an amazing performance, just not, he scored a couple amazing goals there and Thomas Harley looked fantastic that game too. So the stage was set from the very beginning of the game and they really delivered. It was, it was a great game, come back, complete everything in overtime and then um, saluting the fans with the, with the Jersey Reese Myers Jersey. And that was, that was just awesome. You know what you see OHL teams do stuff like that is it's just so heartwarming because you don't see that nowadays with people in society being the way that they are. And to do that for him, which I think was just completely, that was a classy move by the Steelheads organization. Very classy. For sure. They, they, you know, they don't have to do it and you know, they, they can do it and it can be whatever. It could be just a ceremony or whatever, but they really invested time into it. Uh, it was a really emotional ceremony. Uh, the players were invested in it. They were all pointing at him after they won, you know, like I just mentioned with the Jersey saluting the fans, like it was just, it was an emotional, uh, game and day for everyone there. It was, it was just, it was everything that you wanted it to be. It was, it was amazing. And it, it was very classy too. Yeah. I, I can't disagree with you at all. So, um, they went on a four-game tear. So they the next game, they beat the North Bay Battalion 6-2. That was a fun game when we were there. Uh, they, they they crushed Sudbury 10-3. Never going to forget that one. Uh, yeah. They lost in overtime to bury the game, and then they you know started going off the rails a little bit, but they got back on track. So overall, what are your thoughts on, on the team this year? What were kind of some strengths and weaknesses that they needed to work on for next season? Um, so things that they filled at the draft we'll talk about the we'll talk about the draft another day and how the prospects will invest into it um but what were some kind of strengths and weaknesses that you found throughout the season that they could work on uh coming into the 1920 season they needed to fix their defense uh they did that through the draft through trades and through the import draft uh ethan del Mastro is going to be a special player uh, they got a guy like uh, Ula Borgvik home who looks solid. He's a big puck moving defenseman. He's a, he's going to be a good player too. Um, so they certainly, you know, you got Thomas Harley. That, that's self-explanatory, but uh, you know, they have some really good pieces on the back end. They fixed that. Then halfway through the season, you see, okay, the offense has taken a step, a step back with the um, departures of Cole Carter and Alan Lazarchuk. So we need some more pieces up there. So they got a guy like Calvin Martin who helped out. He's just an OA, but, you know, he helps out. He chips in scoring. Uh, but I think the offense was a little bit of a weakness this year. I think they kind of patched holes, but they've also made uh, significant steps for the future. Cole Schwent look, looks like he could be possibly a 100-point player in the OHL uh, next season. Um, I, I think with a, a full season under his belt uh, and another training camp, depending on what happens comes uh, come this fall, I think he could be over a hundred point player in the uh, in the OHL. Same with Kean Washkirk, he could be a really good player. You know, he got injured in December. He he's going to be one of the top dogs coming into next season too. Uh, James Hardy, halfway through the year, proved that he can score and and score a lot and uh, make some nice plays. He can play on a top line now in the OHL, uh, so that's looking good too. And then through the draft a few weeks ago, they got a guy like Zach Lavoie in the first round who's going to be a goal scorer as well. So they're just adding to the score. They have the guys in the organizations in the organization that, you know, they go to work, they put their hard hats on, you know, those type of guys and they go into the corner, dig the puck out and they'll probably get you a few goals here and there and they'll help out the scoring. But now they've established, uh, you know, a guy like James Hardy, you know, they, they, they have their top guys, but now they also have guys coming up 
uh, through the draft and whatnot that are going to help down the line too, if not next season. Now let's move on to the OAs. So you mentioned that they patched some holes through the draft and of course some some pretty heavy losses. Well, not heavy, but significant losses with uh, Nick Isaacson and Calvin Martin on the forward core. And then our defense got a little bit um, a little bit weaker with Liam Hamm leaving. So let's talk about the OAs and uh, what they brought to the team while they were here and uh, what their next move is. Um, I think Nick Isaacson uh, was a really good piece that they brought in for the Steelheads. He uh, helped them down the stretch last year. He was a bigger body, physical body. You know, they needed a bigger player. So he really helped them in that regard. Coming into this season as well, I thought he played well. Um, And then when you look at Calvin Martin, he came in like just as the season started, basically, or a few months in. And credit to him, he really bought in. You know, the guys uh, really liked him, and and he was playing well. And he put up basically career numbers, or on pace to at least, um, playing that system and really buying in. So that that was great for him and great to see. Uh, and then what can you say about Liam Hamm? He, he plays with his uh, heart and his shoulder. Like, he, ju- he just, he's a heart and soul guy. Like, he gets the guy's going pumped up ready to go like he's a good leader a good captain and that's another thing now that steelheads are going to be missing going into next year they're going to have to name a new captain they've obviously liam ham was an oa but uh just going back to last season he was a great captain great leader motivator and a great player as well putting up points he's a smart player always admired um watching him play because he's very smart and he knows where to be and all that good all that good stuff so uh it's it's a tough loss for the team but that's the way the league works uh you know you're gonna have your OAs and they're gonna move on and uh now the Steelheads gotta look for a new captain I guess going into next season and that's something we're gonna get into the next episode as well um but the thing I really liked about Liam Hamm he was a community guy he did a lot of great things around the community he volunteered a lot um he basically the the uh representative for Hockey Gives Blood this year Jacob Ingham was last year and he was the the Steelheads representative for Hockey Gives Blood, so I, you know, he was uh, he's basically the pinnacle. You don't find many players who are, you know, it's Isaacson brought that, that kind of physical presence, but he still had that offensive touch. Calvin Martin was an absolute machine on wheels this season. Really enjoyed watching him play, and then Liam Hamm was probably one of the smartest on the team. Year's roster at Carson Christie, you, and you could talk about all the prospects that we drafted this year, which we'll get into another time. But the roster is going to look very interesting next year, especially with uh, the uncertainty. We're not sure if Charlie's going to be back because anything could happen with that. Let's say he makes the roster at a camp. They've got to have a backup plan. Um, take into account as well. A couple of good defensive prospects that they're yeah. that could make the team next year. Overall, I thought that you know this team was looking pretty good. And even with these guys being gone, I think that they're really going to make a season with the foundation of the OHL changing. And especially in the Central Division with all of the uh, the OAs that graduated, have Quinton Byfield. And in terms of players uh, like like Quinton Byfield, he might be drafted this year. He probably won't be back. See who does what and who finishes where. I think it's going to be very interesting for sure. I think at this point it'd be safe to say that the Steelheads will probably finish higher or in a better position with more points than they did this year. Um, I think they will be a better squad. Um, and on the other uh, side of things, I think they've set themselves up roster-wise and prospects-wise um, in a really nice position where they can sort of assess everything they have and go, okay, we need to fill a void on offense in this position. Okay, we can trade this uh, 
player or you know with this combination of draft picks whatever i think they put themselves in a really good position asset wise where they can look at things like that and go okay we need someone uh we need to go acquire something or someone um to fill this void and they have the assets to do that so i think they've put themselves in a really good position asset wise and on the ice uh i think they have a really skillful roster going forward great and i mean look at the there's going to be a lot of a lot of great players going into training camp so i think asset wise they're set the trades that they made from you know ryan mcleod owen tippett um, if they wanted to make a move they're set a lot of picks a lot of draft picks that they can move around if they see that there's uh you know a lack of scoring they want to bring in another another top-notch forward they could give up some picks for him they are pretty much set for the future i think so too for sure and obviously kai Edmonds, this will be his last year coming up he will be in oa but i think they've been grooming joe ranger and i think joe ranger is ready to make a leap to be a starter in this league and i think it's going to start this year it's going to be a kind of a prove me year for a guy like him for example uh because you know the door is open for Kai Edmonds at the end of this season. He's gone. He'll do what he does best this year, and that's stop pucks for the Steelheads. But after that, uh, I think the job's up for grabs. They're, they have a few guys coming up too, and um, it's all it's going to be a fight, but I think this is going to be a proven year for a guy like Joe Ranger where he can he can take a job like that if he plays well enough and and really um, settles into that spot, for example. Sure. I You know what? I'll be honest. A lot of people don't really like the way Joe Ranger plays. I personally, I liked what I saw last season. You know, there were the guys that uh, thought he was a really athletic goalie, that he could be in contention for that number spot. Yeah, I think he's... Yeah, go ahead. I think he definitely has all the uh, tools to be successful for sure. Um, but I think it's just timing. I think that they've had guys like Jacob Ingham in front of them, and they've, now they have a guy like Kai Edmonds, uh, and his time is coming. So he's got to prove it now. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's had... Uh, he had a really great run last season of a few games there where he looked fantastic, really. Like, just he was in the zone and he was making great saves. He was positionally sound. So, I think if he can just put it all together this season and then every opportunity he gets just makes the most of it and they, you know, give him the ball a little bit more, you know, a little bit more leeway and, you know, he'll start more. Um, I think that he has all the tools uh, to really do something there and, and be able to kind of. Uh, punch, punch through that or kick through that glass ceiling. Not just that he's doing very nicely. So I feel like if he plays 15 or 16 games this year, hypothetically, it'll get him ready to next year be that potential number one spot. A chance to play, then he's going to develop his game more. He's going to get better and better as time goes. Yeah, on. the old saying goes basically, uh, you're not going to find, you're not going to get game experience in practice. You know, it's just, you can practice all you want, but it's not in, in game situations. You need to be able to perform under the bright lights and, you know, in game situations. And you can't do that if, uh, you know, you're not given the opportunity or you don't take advantage of the opportunities you are given. So I think it's got to have to be a very nice mix next year, uh, for him to, you know, be able to get those opportunities. And then when he gets them, make the most of those opportunities. So, uh, I, he's just got to play more. That's all it is. But if he doesn't perform, then he can't play, right? Like, uh, it, it same goes for any goalie or any position in the league, really. If you, if you can't perform, then it is what it is. But he should be given more of an opportunity to kind of just grasp that one last time uh, and, and show that he's worthy of taking it to the next level and for next season. Uh, so he should be given that opportunity, and then it's up to him to take advantage of it. Yeah, for sure. Let's hope that he gets some games next year and he gains the experience that he needs. So now that I want to move into 
something that the Steelheads do every year. They name an MVP, uh, a team MVP. And I don't think they've named one yet this year, so I wanted to ask you, Darius, what, uh, who your Steelheads season MVP is. Um, in terms of this season of best player, I, th- I have a little bit of a criteria, I guess. Um, a lot of people could say Kai Edmonds, especially down the stretch. Uh, and I think they wouldn't be wrong in selecting that because, uh, you know, he, the Steelheads have been looking for a solid guy that they can really l- rely on for a few seasons. You know, Jacob Ingham was, it was good, but they're just looking for that just rock in net. And uh, he, he started to look like that down the stretch. So, I w- you know, you wouldn't be wrong if you chose him. Another guy who uh, in James Hardy, who showed he can be a great sco- goal scorer in this league and, uh, you know, really prove that he's going to be something special. You could choose him as an MVP, you know, scoring all the goals. But my MVP of the year is a guy that if you didn't have him, then a lot of things would go wrong. Uh, And that's Thomas Harley. If the Steelheads did not have Thomas Harley, uh, a lot of things would go wrong for this team. He performs offensively. He's so steady on the defensive end. Um, He's just a rock back there. Like, everyone makes mistakes, but he's a go-to guy in pressure situations. He'll make the right play 95% of the time, uh, and he's going to produce for you. So he is the most valuable player to this team. He is my MVP for the Steelheads. Uh, that was a little bit of an interesting one. I, I like the way that uh, I like the way that you said it. It's all of those things. He is probably the best. Agree or disagree on this? He's probably one of the best defensemen in the OHL, and even further than that, the CHL. Um, in terms of the entire league, I think a lot of people would say uh, Noel Hoffemeyer from um, Ottawa you know, being offensive as he is, but in junior hockey, I think in all of junior hockey, Thomas Harley might be the best two way defenseman, uh, in the CHL. Uh, and if you don't watch him enough, then you got to watch him more because people who watch him know that this guy is for real. Uh, and you know, he can, there's always room to improve, but he is definitely one of the best two way defensemen. Now that's a very good choice. I think that Thomas Harley is, more valuable than people say. He will be a, a top four defenseman in the NHL when he gets there. Um, now, my pick's a little different. Now, some people will say it's a it's a cliche. Oh, you know, you picked Schwint because he had 71 points as was the best player. To tell you the truth, the reason why I picked Cole Schwint is because he is an amazing playmaker. I think a lot of the great offense came from him and from that first line. I think that he was probably one of the best playmakers that I've ever seen. Yeah, I really don't disagree with you on that pick. Um... I think that's a really good pick, actually, because Cole Schwent was so instrumental in all the Steelhead scoring basically this year. I mean, if he's on the power play, he's basically touching he's he's touching the puck and it's going in the net like he's he's getting an assist there. So he, he was very instrumental in uh, making things happen for the Steelheads this year. A majority of the scoring went through him, obviously, because he was top scorer in the team. But uh, yeah, a lot of. A lot of the scoring went through him, and he, he handled the pressure. And he was he's a good two-way forward as well. He's, he's pretty responsible on his own end. He wins draws. So um, I agree with your pick there. That's a good pick. One of the things I think that really helped it uh, and helped him kind of develop those points was having good line chemistry with that first line of Kennedy, Hardy, and Schwinn. And it really just kind of – you could see the chemistry towards the end of the season, especially when those guys were all gelling together. Hardy and Schwinn. For I think I I don't know the exact number, but I think there was like forty points between the the two of them in twenty games or something. Yeah, they like went that. on a little bit of a roll there. I think just after Christmas. Um, 
They were, yeah, they were, oh, yeah. they were rolling at one point. That line is just great. It's a great mixture. Like Kanade is feisty. He's, he's, you know, he's small, but he holds, holds his own. Like he's a, he's a strong player. He gets in there. He's, he's fast. I think he's probably the fastest player on this team. Um, like his speed is unreal. Like it came out of nowhere this year for sure. He's always been fast, but this year it's very noticeable. Um, uh, then you have James Hardy. He can put the puck in the net. He, he seems to be always in the right area. The puck just comes to him and he puts it in the net. And then Cole Schwent, you know, centerman, he wins draws. He wins it to his defensemen, to his wingers. Um, he's strong on the puck. Like, his board play is amazing. His cycling, he, he's really strong on the cycle and uh, net front presence and whatnot. So it's a, it was a really good balance of everything that you need to kind of have a good line. You know, that speed, uh, that hard-nosed physical play, and and also the scoring. So it, that's, I think that's why that line was so successful. If there's any line that I think they should keep together for next season... Obviously, coaching staff have their their way of doing things, but I would definitely say keep that line together, especially the success that they had this season. Too good of a line. Yeah, especially to start, uh, they should definitely try that again because they they're you know they're well off playing with each other. Like they they know where each other's going to be, and uh, you know they already have that chemistry built. So I would definitely start with that line and going into next season. That's probably three of your best players or go to players at least. Uh, you also got Keon Washcook in there, but he's a centerman, so he'd probably be on the second line anyway. Uh, so I, I think that's a go-to line to start the season anyway, no matter who's coming in. I mean, if you make a trade at the trade deadline, it depends who it is, and then you kind of mix your lines up like that. But to start the season, can't go wrong with a line like that. They were they were really clicking there. Now, that was a, a little a season in review for Steelheads. Next season, next next episode. We'll be talking about some of the draft prospects, uh, what they bring to the table, what a potential lineup. But, uh, Darius, before we go, let's talk about your podcast, the Hardcore Hockey Show. Yeah, so I I have a podcast named the Hardcore Hockey Show. Obviously, it uh, took a little bit of a turn, and you know, it, it's hard to talk about hockey right now, just considering nothing's really moving. But you can always talk about next season and you know the previous season. Uh, but you know, we just. Uh, just trying to keep up to date on hockey and, you know, make light of stuff in hockey. You know, there's a lot that goes wrong and some fan bases have tough times. So I'm just trying to, you know, make light and uh, just be an escape for an hour so people can listen to some stuff. And uh, I've been working on some other projects as well, but obviously with uh, the times being what they are, it's pretty tough right now. But uh, you know, all you can do is uh, try and make positives out of everything, right? So I would like to thank you very much for joining us on the show this uh, this week. I hope that you'll be back for the next couple episodes. It's going to be a really fun kind of time, especially when we talk about who uh, who could be their potential captain in episode three. Hey, thanks for having me again. It was, uh, it was a great time. I can talk about junior hockey and especially the Steel Huts for hours. It's 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 awesome. And, you know, I think we're all missing it right now because, you know, the playoffs would have been on at this point. So, uh, you know, it's just fun talking about it. You know what? Junior hockey is basically the most underrated type of hockey, I think, ever. Yeah, it's. It's honestly some of the highest quality hockey you'll find, and especially for the players' age uh, or ages, it's it's great. And I think it's one of the hidden treasures that people just haven't um, found yet. And I think once you find it and you kind of get hooked, like you can't put it down or look away. I think, um, you know, even me getting hooked on it as a teenager, it's just something you can't really put down or stop talking about. It's it's addicting and it's just fun to talk about, and you know, so many storylines throughout the league and whatnot. So it, it's great. And that's going to be it for this one. If you liked it, don't forget to leave a like, share it with your friends, follow us on SoundCloud and Spotify, subscribe on YouTube. 
it is going to be a lot of great action-packed stuff coming up in the next episode, especially when we talk about our draft prospects. And I will put a link to Darius's channel in the description if you want to check him out. But until next time, peace.